we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 10th, 2014. The next report is entitled, Three Days to Create a Killer via Prozac. So, this is by Dr. Ignatius Piazza, founder and director of Front Sight Firearms Training Institute. Now, I know the guy, I think he's like a Mormon or something. I've had people let me know that. Um, I think he's got a really good institute out there as far as getting proper firearm training. Um, from what I've heard, it's pretty top-notch. Okay, um, But regarding this article, it was, it, I really liked it because it got into a lot of different aspects of this and it really exposed the evil agenda. Whatever they're pushing on us from a news standpoint, it's typically always the exact opposite of reality. And this really gets into that. So the purpose of my blog is to be as proactive as possible in spreading the truth about the importance of our cherished Second Amendment while exposing the liars, whores, and thieves who conspire to strip us of our freedoms. With that in mind, I am exposing the most sinister group who have ever walked the face of the earth and are responsible for more deaths each year than all the gun violence in America combined. And worse than that, they are blaming guns to hide their own crimes. First, See the news video that reveals that a normally good kid, Jose Reyes, was given Prozac by a psychiatrist, and on just the third day of taking this powerful mind-altering violence and suicide-inducing drug, Jose took a gun to school and shot classmates, a teacher, and then himself. Imagine that. So let's go ahead and just listen to this, this clip here. We learned today that Jose Reyes had Prozac in his system the day of the shooting, but that it was prescribed to him by a psychotherapist three days before the tragedy. Reyes was told to take 10 milligrams of Prozac once daily to treat his symptoms of a depressive disorder. That was based on what his doctor noted of feelings of inadequacy in his family and meeting family expectations. And Reyes told the therapist he was being teased at school and specifically spoke about being called gay and about being teased about peeing his pants. According to the police report, Jose took the prescribed amount of Prozac on Saturday, Sunday, and on the day of the shooting. Experts say Prozac is an antidepressant and can take a month or two to help someone feel better. But the drug does come with a black box warning that states antidepressants increase the risk compared to the placebo of suicidal thinking and behavior in children, adolescents, and young adults in short-term studies of major depressive disorder. The ultimate symptom of depression, which is allegedly what you're using Prozac for, is suicide. So how do you distinguish whether it's the drug or the disease that, that would lead to suicide? This is very difficult. Now also, according to the police report... The disease. So depression's a disease now? I mean, the one thing they never ever get into is the whole demonic component. The potential demonic component regarding these things like depression or bipolar or, or those types of things. No, they want to medicate you. They want to give you pharmakia, which is the root word for sorcery in the Bible, which is where we get the word for sorcery, uh, pharmaceuticals and, and, and that. They want to give you pharmakia to treat this type of condition, which only actually in the long run makes it worse, and even in the short term. During Jose Reyes's doctor's appointment, he did show symptoms similar to people who have autism, but he was not diagnosed with it. 
So, you know, three days on Prozac, and uh, this uh, boy, you know, goes in and shot classmates, a teacher, and then himself. You know, just three days. This goes on to state, think this is an isolated incident, then think again. In early clinical studies of these, and we're going to go over a lot of the actual cases of this later. In the early clinical test of these antidepressants, people who, with no past history of depression, violence, or suicide killed themselves after taking these drugs. But it did not stop. I mean, you've heard the term going postal, where the postal workers were all killing everybody back in the, was it like the early 90s, maybe 80s? Well, they were all on Prozac. It's a proven fact. Or some type of drug like that that was prescribed. Again, it's all by design to create this type of, of behavior. So, um, in early clinical tests of these antidepressants, people with no past history of depression, violence, or suicide killed themselves after taking these drugs. But it did not stop the pharmaceutical companies from rolling the dangerous drugs out to the public. As a result, the psych drug-induced carnage increases by the day. I would be negligent in my efforts to increase your awareness of potential threats to your safety, well-being, and freedom if I did not expose those who conspire to deceive you, harm you, and hook you and your children, nieces and nephews and grandchildren on psychiatric medications. I also recognize that mental illness is the gun grabber's best friend. The government is now using any diagnosis of mental illness as a reason to deny ownership and even confiscate weapons from reasonable citizens who, who fall prey to the marketing schemes of the pharmaceutical companies and their drug-pushing psychiatrists. These drugs cause violence and suicide, so the government uses the highly publicized shootings to restrict guns from responsible citizens and increases funding for more psych screenings and psych drug prescription, thus throwing more gasoline on the fire. They do it, and again, it's all done by design to get this desired result. If you think I am exaggerating this danger to society, or you think that psychiatric drugs must serve some greater good that overshadows the death and destruction they cause, then watch this video and become truly informed. And we'll, we're going to watch that in a second. Just ask Jose Reyes' family if they wish they had seen this video before allowing a psychiatrist to see their son and give him psych drugs. Jose is just one of thousands of psych drug failures every month. Don't let this happen to you or those who you care about. Take the time to watch the entire video and make sure that your family watches it too. Then forward this email to everyone you care about. The lives you will save will be your own and those of your family and, uh, and friends. Now, the video is entitled, Making a Killing, the Untold Story of Psychotropic Drugging. Um, and now, this is a long thing. I'm going to play up to the first almost 18 minutes of this and comment along the way. Because... I watched a lot of it, and I thought that the first 18, we're getting a really good overview of this wicked, evil system, and um, then you can go back if you want and watch the whole thing. I, I would say if you did have the time, it'd be good to, to do that. Um, so, let's go ahead and, and roll that now. Have you been diagnosed with depression and struggle with sadness? Maybe you're scared of being criticized. Loss of interest, aches and pain. Always thinking something terrible. Ask your doctor about effects or exercise. Ask your doctor about symbols. Talk to your doctor about Zoloft. So talk to your healthcare professional. Talk your doctor today. Tell your doctor. Contact your doctor immediately. Talk with your doctor. 
Over 40. Okay, so this is saying 1967 in Puerto Rico is where they're flashing back to. Years ago, leading psychiatrists met in Puerto Rico to map out their vision of the future. We see a developing potential for nearly a total control of human emotional status, mental functioning, and will to act. A developing potential for nearly a total control of human emotional status, mental functioning, and a will to act? So in other words, what they're saying, there's this wonderful potential for us to totally manipulate and control human humanity, their emotional status, their mental functioning, and their will to act. Sounds like a really fun George Orwellian 1984-like fun, fun, neato type environment for us to live in, and exactly, exactly that's what they're trying to create right now, and, and what they're doing in, in large part, um, a wonderful job at creating. Their plan? To create by the year 2000 a range of psychiatric drugs regulating every aspect of human behavior. And they've succeeded. They've absolutely succeeded. There is a drug for every supposed ailment that you could possibly ever imagine that typically makes it, in some way, shape, or form, some underlying, like Prozac, even worse. And then all those drugs have a myriad of side effects that you have to take more drugs to counteract. They're all toxic to the liver. They all, I mean, who knows what type of demonic component they have because you're dealing with mind-altering pharmacia drugs, again, which is where we derive the root word for sorcery from. Hello? I mean, that's, it's, there's a devil. It's like if you snort cocaine, there's a demon associated with what you're snorting. It's mind-altering. These drugs are mind-altering. I'm not saying every time you pop an aspirin, there's some, you're, you're going under some level of demonic possession. But when you start getting into mind-altering drugs, whether that's pot, whether that's cocaine, whether that's methamphetamine, or whether that's some supposed official prescription drug, it's, they all have their own devils that you're dealing with there. I was uh, diagnosed with uh, depression and put on Paxil ADD, and I was prescribed Ritalin. General anxiety disorder. Prescribed Zoloft. Bipolar disorder, and I take lithium. PTSD. Zoloft. I was on Paxil. And they placed me on Zoloft. These are just people they're they're pulling off the street interviewing. I was prescribed Cytamil. Tegretol. Lexapro. Devacol. Stelazine. Adderall. Serta. Orzine. Prozac. Lorazepam. Epixol. Flamazepam. Ritalin. Dexafetamine. Paxil. Silert. Prozac. Adderall. I mean, no wonder society is so messed up. This aspect alone, we we have no idea what is happening to a person, even on a spiritual level, when you do this to yourself. One hundred million people worldwide are on psychiatric drugs. How did this happen? Psychiatrists convinced them they were sick. They want you to think you're diseased from birth. And that all those experiences of life, childhood and adolescence, and teenage years and adulthood, and being a senior citizen, that these are all various stages of disease. Okay, so I remember, one of, the, one of the key components of the devil and the antichrist, deceiving humanity. Okay, I know I've went over the whole signs and line wonders and miracles. 
Okay? That's one of the main ways that they're going to deceive humanity. But it also says, by their sorceries were the whole world essentially deceived. Well, sorceries, again, the root word for pharmakia. So, <laughs> I mean, the devil wants everybody on mind-altering drugs. Okay? And, and that could ru- also fall over into the realm of being an alcoholic. Okay, anything to, to get you in an altered state of consciousness. There's many, many flavors of Baskin Robbins' satanic plethora of ways to get you into a mind-altered state. This is just happens to be one of the main ones, and one of the ones that supposedly is the most credible, because the guys with the white coats and the magic prescription pads, you know, who you trust, come and do it, and give you this, and so you, therefore you think it's legitimate, and it's not. We've all been depressed at one time. We've all been anxious at one time. These are normal emotions that we feel. Every emotional and spiritual problem is reduced to a label. And, of course, all of those diseases require pharmaceutical treatments. This is big, big business. While generating a healthy income, claiming to be medical professionals, psychiatrists will freely confess that their profession is devoid of science. You don't really have any specific blood tests. Okay, so this is a psychiatrist they're interviewing off the street. And it's one psychiatrist after another, and you're basically going to hear him say, we have no way, we have no standard of, uh, no, no, um, methodology or standards whereby which we prescribe these mind-altering sorcery pharmacia drugs to our patients. It's just like they observe the patient for 4.2 seconds and then they write them out their prescription and they go their merry way and, and come off four times, you know, demon-possessed as a result of it. Okay, I, I shouldn't be laughing about it, but it's just like, it's, it's laughable how they go about what they do. I mean, I was a, um, a practicing chiropractor, specializing in clinical nutrition for like about 20 years here. And I mean, I, I could have never got away with approaching a patient in that manner, ever, you know, but they do it all day long and it's okay. Or other tests that are definitive for any mental illness whatsoever. It would be neat if it would become much more scientific. Well, if you go to my office... So that one guy, that one psychiatrist said, it would be neat if it would become much more scientific. <laughs> wow, I mean, this is some amazing um, standards that they're they're having to adhere to to prescribe these, these horrific um, uh, medications. Listen, you told me that you're depressed... There's nothing, uh, no blood sample, whatever, no tests. There are not uh, current available tests uh, to verify your diagnosis. I don't use any tests. So there's no tests to verify your diagnosis. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's rich. I mean, the, the MDs get away with, again, I mean, if, if a chiropractor, like, does anything, it's going to be front page news, or if anybody in alternative health care. But, you know, MDs can literally kill people all day long, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a coming teaching. I mean, and it's okay. It's just swept under the rug. It's, it's just par for the course. And, and it, because they're part of the system that Satan and the Illuminati wants to promote. They're the good guys. Okay, in alternative medicine, we're the bad guys. We're the evil ones. And, and this is just further proof of that. Tests. You do not have to test 
to say, well, this is this disorder and this is the best medication for this disorder. For many years we thought we had the tests nailed down, but it turned out that they weren't of any value. Now, these psychiatrists that you just heard were from all over the world. Germany and, and a lot of other different places they went, and they're all saying the same thing. Psychiatrists have the highest suicide rate of any medical doctor that there is, okay? And I think it's because you reap what you sow. You're taking a problem that has a spiritual base, usually a some type of demonic spiritual issue, and you're trying to treat it with sorcery, with pharmacia. doesn't work out that way. It's like having a fire and saying, hmm, I'm going to put the fire out and you throw more gasoline on it. It's not exactly the best way to approach putting out a fire. But this is what they're basically doing. You don't know what's causing the symptoms, then to give somebody something to alleviate the symptoms is close to impossible. And, and again, the, the, so much so, the cause of a lot of these symptoms is demonic. You know, it, it's a spiritual issue. Um, or, or the fact, the very fact that the vast majority of these people aren't even saved that are taking these things. I mean, Jesus Christ is the great physician, okay? And, um, but none of that is ever discussed. None of that is even, that's like, that wouldn't even be part of any type of supposed intelligent medical, uh, dialogue or discussion because that's passe. That's, that's what, you know, yet that's actually the exact main issue that they should be. And some of this, like they said, is just garbage anyway. Like everybody's, you know, been depressed one time in their life for, for whatever. I mean, you could have a long day at work and be really, really tired and be depressed when you get home or whatever. I mean, come on, it's life. It's not perfect. And everything's not going to just be Jim Dandy 24-7. It doesn't work that way. And they're taking things that are actually normal human behavior and slapping diagnoses on them, giving them thereby an excuse to prescribe you more poison. Time a drug's approved and it hits the general population, we don't know even 50% of the side effects that are involved with that drug. And these pills cause heart attacks and liver problems and immune system problems and lots of other medical problems. So you're playing with fire. I really love it when they list one of the side effects as death. You know? You know, they, they, they go through all the... And, and they always have some, like, people frolicking in, like, a meadow in Switzerland in the background. And it's about some, like, bladder control commercial, you know. And now she can go out and frolic, you know, like Mary Poppins or whatever in, 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 in Switzerland. And everybody's yodeling and doing stuff and fun stuff. And then they're, they're, they're reading the list of, of um, symptoms in the background with this nice, big, simpering, wonderfully warm voice, you know, and, and liver failure, and, and death, and, you know, kidney failure, and, and all of these things, you know, that they're, that they're listing, while all of this wonderful stuff's going on in your visual cortex, and your auditory cortex is hearing, you know, all of these other horrific sides. I, I love the dichotomy of it all. It's, it's so fun, and neato, and wonderful, and, and it's almost like, it's almost like Satan, like when I watch those, it's almost like, is Satan doing this, like, to just say, you really, humanity, I just want, I just want to see how, um, how much I can get one over on you, you know what I mean, I, I just want, I want to just throw it in your face, and at the same time, I want to, I want to tell you, do this, but at the same time, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it's going to kill you, and I want you to then, thereby, say, you know what, I want it anyway. 
I want it anyway. I want that kidney failure. I want liver failure. What's what's the not to like about heart failure or cancer or death? I mean, come on, death. That's a good one. That, I mean, that, what a side effect that is. So I don't know. I mean, that's just just me though. Every day, psychotropic drugs cause serious adverse reactions. And while psychiatrists and drug companies fully understand the dangers of the drugs they sell, their unsuspecting customers are left to suffer the consequences. Everything became worse. Every, uh, you know, each, each mood swing was worse. He would have chronic headaches, chronic, you know, nausea, not feeling good. She was very agitated. Um, okay, now these are parents describing side effects that they're son or daughter had off a different drug. Like this lady, her daughter was prescribed Zoloft. So you really have to watch this to get the full effect. It's really well done. It's in a really good, um, I'll give you the link on the PDF for uh, 610-2014, but it's it's a really high quality uh, um, video as well. Um, so anyway, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Very, very jumpy. She was having horrible hallucinations. That personality too was... Now, you gotta, you gotta think of somebody suffering hallucinations. Okay, they're seeing things. They're seeing devils or little green men or whatever. Now, you cannot tell me that doesn't have a demonic component. Oh no, it's just, it's affecting the, the visual cortex behind the optic nerve. And, and it's, no, you're seeing stuff. You've literally opened up your third eye, which is associated with the pineal gland. Which is where you see the Hindus with the red dots on their forehead. That's symbolic of the third eye. Okay? One of the big things in witchcraft is to get that third eye opened. Okay? Which even witches know is a very risky proposition. If you're going around seeing hallucinations from taking a pharmacy, you, you it's literally infused you so much with devils that your third eye has been opened. And now you're seen into the spirit world. Not a really good sign. People get this off hardcore stuff. I mean, when people drop acid... And, and stuff like LSD, you know, they start seeing things. They're really, literally seeing into the spirit world there. I mean, those things are just not there. You're just getting a glimpse into it because the third eye has actually been accessed, which is a really, really bad thing from a demonic infestation standpoint. Um, disintegrating. Once he started on that drug, he just, the cloud just stayed over him and stayed over him and stayed over him. It got darker and darker. Okay, so that's a lady, her brother, um, that's what happened to him after he went to Lexapo. And then he killed himself. This lady, Diane's son, committed suicide while on Lexapro. I'm not even reading you all the captions. So these people, these are like parents. Most of them are parents that had children that committed suicide once they went on the wonderful drug that was supposed to help them mentally. But it had the exact opposite effect. He thought there wasn't anything worth living to kill himself. That was not Matthew. That was the drugs. At least I would like to have... So this guy's son committed suicide while on Clozaril. I I didn't get a chance to do that. In addition to crippling scores of people daily, every month, psychiatric drugs kill an estimated 3,000. But the human devast... That, that number is so, so underblown. 3,000 from psychiatric... I, I think that's way less than what it, the number actually really is. ...station would never have gotten this high if psychiatrists hadn't worked hand-in-hand with drug companies to promote their drugs to doctors throughout the world. Today, 70... Well, it's, it's all one big conglomerate cartel. The government works with the hospitals, works, I mean, and then the healthcare system, and then the pharmaceutical companies, 
and the drug company, they're all in league together. This is one big, literal, satanic effort to get you into bondage. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Okay? And the Bible talks about while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of the corruption. Isn't that what the drug companies promise? Now, I understand that you could, I've always used that analogy like going under a, uh, like an apostate preacher. But isn't that the same thing the drug companies are, are promising? They're promising you liberty to live the life the way you want to live it. Live it afresh. Live it a free. Frolic in the meadow in Switzerland and yodel, you know, like Mary Poppins or whatever. That's what they're promising on all these drug company commercials and stuff. But they're actually bringing these people into bondage. They're trying to create lifetime of course, your lifetime is going to be a lot less when you go on it because, you know, all the side effects and that death one keeps coming up, you know. Who knows how many years you're going to knock off your life, but that's what they do, you know. And they want to bring you into bondage with the pharmacia, okay. And then they know you're going to have to take more drugs to counteract those side effects. So there's more bondage. There's more revenue, income. And what type of revenue is that? Reoccurring. Okay, so it's a perpetual bondage that you will never break free of unless you unless you start cluing into what I'm saying today. Okay, and again, I don't tell people to go off these meds cold turkey either. I've seen stuff out there saying go off it cold turkey. Now, your body has a physical dependency on it if you've been on these things. Okay, and um, unless it's like a cholesterol lowering drug, because that's such a huge scam. And if you don't believe that's a scam. Um, Kian, the cholesterol myth, I believe it's by Yudi Rastafin, he gets into that whole thing. I mean, what a scam the whole Crestor statin drug industry is, okay? That's a whole other study. You can Kian cholesterol in the keyword search page at contendingfortruth.com, and I, I talked about that many times. Um, but these drugs are, are a, they're trying to get you locked in for life, to generate reoccurring revenue, to bring you into bondage to Satan and to the devils that emanate and operate through so many of these drugs put out by these wicked, evil pharmaceutical companies that literally had their foundational beginning through IG Farben, which was the main monetary force behind Hitler that split into three different companies once World War II was over in order to keep going. Okay? Bear of the Bear Aspirin fame was one of the parts it split off into. And then another one was Hoist, and another one was BASF, which is the which they used to put out those commercials that said, we don't make the products you make, we make the products you make, or we don't make the products you use, we make the product you use better. Okay? Those are the three companies that... IG Farben split off into, and that chemical conglomerate was the, was the literal modern day foundation for all pharmaceutical companies worldwide. Okay, so if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm eleven verse three. Well, the foundation of this wicked industry was beyond corrupt from the very very beginning. Percent of all psychiatric drugs are prescribed by general physicians. And how was this accomplished? Marketing. It's about creating a good story that uses science, that convinces a physician to think about writing a prescription. This is not science. This is incredibly effective marketing. It has nothing to do with Now, these are former drug reps saying this. 
Okay, this isn't like somebody like me who's trying to expose it. These are former people that used to do this. And they go in there and they're like, yeah, you know, you sell enough of this drug and you get a set of, uh, you know, ping golf clubs and, and or we'll fly you to Hawaii and this and that. So the doctors, the MDs, are not motivated by true science. They're motivated through profits and money and whatever the flavor of the week that the sexy drug rep is presenting you because that's typically what happens. It's some woman that looks really pretty or whatever comes in there and pitches you on this drug. I've been in the rooms when that happened because I used to work with an MD. In fact, I've worked with several MDs. I've worked with neuro um, neurologists, MDs, those types of guys. And I saw these drug reps come in the clinics, okay? so And I've even sat in on some of their pitches or whatever. So I know that this goes on. Taylor never knew that that happened. I, I was just telling her. They, they would, that was common. I mean, if you had an MRI place, if you had, um, we always took our, I always took my own x-rays, but, um, you know, MRI, uh, things that you might like nerve conduction velocity tests, stuff like that, that you had to do, particularly if it was like an accident case or something. I mean, that was, that was pretty much endemic across the thing. They would send in some really pretty, whatever rep in order to further convince you to use their service and this and that. Now, again, with the drug companies, it's even more, um, they're really, really throwing out the carrots. You know, it's it's at a whole other level. So I've seen this type of stuff go on um, when I was in practice. Do a science. They use what I call statistical contortionism. Basically just skew the numbers, make everything look fantastic you hide the bad numbers they're learning every trick in the book they're evolving into efficient marketing machines and it's working there's definitely an unholy alliance between psychiatry and pharmaceutical sales that's a marriage made in heaven they're like well yeah but it's it's that way between all aspects of the medical community there's not one part of the medical community that there's not that unholy alliance that that exists it just happens to be really unholy between psychiatry and the uh, pharma pharmaceutical companies. Conjoined twins, they're joined at the wallet. Well, and where does all this start? In the colleges where they're trained. And now if you go back with IG Farben, they, through the Rockefellers, decades and decades and decades ago, approached all the colleges, all the medical colleges that were in um, America, who a lot of them were in shambles, and they said, hey, listen, would you like this nice suitcase full of money? They'd send their rep in. And they'd be like, yeah, we'd like that money, the, the, the medical colleges were saying. And he says, okay, that's fine. We're going to help you out here. Um, we only ask a few different things. We want to be able to sit a couple of our members on your board for your hospital to help make policy, decide policy, and or not hospital, but for your college. And we also want to help you, at this point, design curriculum. Okay? That is when... Every single condition, okay, heart, kidney, liver, whatever, all of a sudden got a chemical protocol to treat it. IG Farben was a chemical company, a chemical conglomerate. It just took chemicals and turned them into whatever pharmaceutical, which is that's all pharmaceuticals are. They're synthetic chemicals that are typically derived of something that may or may not occur naturally in nature, but it's a synthetic form. 
and then they would develop protocols for all these diseases. The problem was, is all the chemicals were addictive, and they never really cured the problem, they just treated your symptoms, which was like sweeping your symptoms under a rug, which allowed them to fester and get worse, and then the drugs all had side effects, which caused you to take more drugs. It was a huge, huge money-making control satanic system right from the very inception. That was when the curriculum started getting changed in the medical colleges across America. There were very, very few medical colleges that did not accept the suitcase full of money, okay? And at, at this point, there's probably none. But that's how this all started with, with um, what we're seeing here in this video. And with 374 mental disorders filling psychiatry's diagnostic manual and more on the way, business is booming. Pharmaceutical companies have expanded their roster of psychotropic drugs from 44 in 1966 to 174 today. The top five psychotropic drugs combined gross more money than the gross national product of each of over half the countries on earth. Altogether, the psychiatric industry rakes in a third of a trillion dollars a year. How could this have happened? That's just the psychiatric industry. I mean, these numbers are, are almost impossible to comprehend, the amount of money that's being made. And again, we get into the love of money is the root of all evil. And all of the different satanic agendas that I've just mentioned that are being accomplished through just psychiatry alone. It's a tale of deception that may be difficult to believe, but fatal to ignore. We took him to a psychiatrist, and within a matter of minutes, yeah, she's ADHD, and here's your drug. I'm on the Medicaid. And a matter of minutes. Now, if that's a thorough exam, <laughs> he's got ADHD, here's your drugs. I mean, what, what a cushy job, you know? What a job where, you know, <laughs> I mean, talk about just, there's no objectivity. It's all just like subjected to the subjective whim of, of whatever the doctor or the psychiatrist feels like prescribing that day. I mean, if the drug rep just left, you're probably going to get whatever they're telling you, you know, to sell. Five minutes later, he was on Zyprexa. He saw the psychiatrist who prescribed the medicine for 20 minutes. The guy didn't even look at her. He talked to her a little bit. Now, how can you tell if somebody's ADHD or not ADHD from just a few minutes talking to her? Next thing I know, I'm getting handed a, a handful of Xanax. That's how easy it is to get these drugs. Just so easy. It's just passed to me like candy. That's simple. And again, another thing is, is that Satan wants to get the children. He wants to get these children addicted to these mind-altering, demon-infested meds at the earliest possible age to get them defiled and to, get in, and to let them... Uh, to get their inhibitions to be at a very, very, very low level so they'll be more interested in doing whatever wicked behavior pattern that, that Satan's trying to tempt them into. I mean, if you're in a mind-altered state, you're going to do things that you normally would not do. That's what drugs do like this. And this is a big reason why this is such a near and dear subject to Satan's black, cold, wicked heart.
If a person were to walk in off the street, sat down with a psychiatrist, the chances of him being prescribed a drug before he were to leave the office, I would have to put it at 100%. Psychiatrists prescribe drugs. They might have different ways of diagnosing, they might have different ways of interacting with a patient, but it's rare to find a psychiatrist that uses no drugs. The psychiatrists today are, in quotes, admitting they can't cure these mental illnesses and they're therefore going to manage your illness by using a drug. Fifty years ago, a person who was going through a divorce would have relied on family, friends, clergy, and even the family doctor to a certain extent for conversation to work through the issue. They certainly wouldn't have been medicated. That was before the era of psychotropic drugs. Psychiatrists, occupying the lowest rung of the medical profession, worked almost exclusively in mental institutions. With no cures, there was little chance they would ever be respected by the public and their peers as real doctors. Psychiatrists had for years been on the fringe of medicine. Typically, the standard doctor internist would have very low regard for psychiatrists because it was understood not to be a very clear uh, science or art. Psychiatrists wanted to be viewed as physicians, as doctors, and in order to be viewed as physicians and doctors, the people they dealt with had to be viewed as patients. And if doctors dealt with diseases, then their patients had to be diseased. Psychiatrists had a wonderful opportunity, they felt, to become respected in the eyes of their peers. They raced to create a whole diagnostic book called the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which was created by consensus. A group of psychologists and psychiatrists get together and if they made common observations, they have a vote and they now classify a new disease. And they give it a number and it graduates into the DSM classification. And it's a dangerous book. It's a book that has many disorders that could apply to any one of us because the disorders are not real medical diseases. And it's things that apply to nearly all of us at times. Are you afraid of meeting new people? Are you afraid of speaking to front of a large crowd of people? Uh, does it make you nervous to go and to talk to your boss about a complaint? You can invent a- See, those are all diseases now. They're all di- we're all diseased. I, I love that, 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 I mean, you know, now it's acid reflux disease. You know, it's a nutritional issue. Okay? It's a nutritional issue. It's not a disease like you know, an autoimmune disease or something, you know, but they love to put that, that moniker on like everything now, because hey, if you have a disease, then the only people that can treat it are the guys with the white lab coats and the magic prescription pads, because they're real doctors, you know, and you might as well just reside yourself to that fact, and, and, and again, that's what they want you to do, they don't even want you to try to fight it. Um, and you know, not, nothing could really be farther from the truth. Mental disorder based on a checklist of symptoms, and that is exactly how the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the billing bible for psychiatry, works. Since the DSM's first edition in 1952, the number of diagnoses has steadily grown. From a slender 130-page booklet listing 106 so-called mental disorders, the DSM has bloated to a voluminous 886 pages. 
it is only... I guess that we've acquired all these new diseases since it first came out, and now it's bloated to this gigantic, gigantic size, because evidently we're evolving as humans. We're going from our... our uh, we've already evolved from the whole um, Piltdown Man, Monkey Boy, um, you know, man into now human... Now we need to go to human 2.0, and now we've got all of these new, new maladies because we're continuing to evolve. Through the use of this book, that psychiatrists can diagnose, drug, and bill for services. In fact, the psychiatric industry currently uses the DSM to collect over $72 billion in private and government insurance money. The DSM is used to diagnose and then give a label. And the label is used for billing purposes. That's how they get paid. You have to have a term in the diagnosis. Well, I mean, what a scam. All these guys are glorified drug pushers. Really. I mean, a, a ton of MDs, that's really what they are. I'm not saying they don't do any good. I'm not saying I'm against emergency medicine and things of this nature. Okay, And I know, understand sometimes surgery is necessary. And sometimes short-term things to save a life are necessary. I, I'd be the first to admit that, but overall, you cannot drug your body into good health. It, you, you can't do it. There has to be some point where you break free from the meds, if at all humanly possible, and do it the way God intended it to be done, whether that's through lifestyle changes, um, supplementation, or whatever type of therapy that you need to do. Um, that's the way that's obviously the way more natural route where we're not going to be addicted to some type of pharmacia for the rest of our lives. It's a statistical manual in order to then call it a disease and treat it as a disease and write a prescription for it. And so because they can vote it in, they can create and then the drug industry can just take over and market their drugs for those new disorders. And those drugs were welcomed by psychiatry leaders because it made us real doctors. Of course, first the public had to believe that there was something wrong with them and that that thing wrong was biochemical and that that could then be treated by a drug which was supposed to cure all. And so it was relatively easy, I think, to say, well, look, let's start looking at mental illnesses fundamentally. Um, a matter of chemical imbalance in the brain. Chemical imbalance is a term that's used as a marketing ploy, as opposed to anything that there's scientific evidence to support. Nobody has yet measured, demonstrated, or created a test to show that somebody has a chemical imbalance in their brain. Period. How do you market a drug? What you're doing is you are creating a massive chemical imbalance when you take these concentrated chemicals into your system. And they're all controlled poisons. And you say, oh, well, now, now you've went too far. Okay, take the whole bottle of any one given drug and see how that turns out for you. You know, you could take a whole bottle of, of like, the products I sell, like Clinical Nutrition, which are essentially compressed organic food tablets, and at worst, it's going to give you diarrhea. You take a whole bottle of this stuff, you're not going to wake up the next morning. Okay, big, big difference that restores the chemical balance or corrects a chemical imbalance. How can you do that 
in good conscience if you don't even know what one is. The whole myth of the chemical imbalance was created to sell drugs. And while psychiatrists and drug companies have used this myth to make billions moving vast quantities of psychotropic drugs into the bodies of unsuspecting consumers, the public has paid the ultimate price. An estimated half of all Americans who commit suicide are on psychotropic drugs. And, and isn't that always the common theme in all of these mass shootings? They're always on psychotropic drugs. In fact, in, in the coming teachings, that's what I'm going to end up discussing. It's, it's almost a 100% statistical fact. And then the people that commit suicide in general, let's say the ones that don't, want, don't go on three-state killing sprees and just commit suicide, they're also on these psychotropic drugs. Hmm, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and basically almost everybody that's committing suicide nowadays is on this stuff. Huh, I wonder if there's any correlation. Nah. nah it's, it's, it's all on my mind. I'm just being paranoid. Psychotropic drugs are estimated to kill more than two and a half times more people than are killed by homicide. And who is entrusted with protecting the public against these dangerous psychotropic drugs? In the United States, it is the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, whose psychiatric drug advisory panels are dominated by psychiatrists who shuttle between the drug industry, academia, private practice, and government, the so-called revolving door. The revolving door at FDA is one of the primary reasons why the system that we have works so poorly. That revolving door is a direct result of the fact that a group of people with the same mindset are put into positions of being regulators and in the position of being formulators and sellers and marketers. So it's the ultimate, the fox guarding the hen house. Okay? There is no... They're all on the same team, and yet supposedly they're, part of that team is there to regulate when they're all literally playing for the same team. They might wear different hats and maybe look different, but they're all on the same team. So obviously there's going to be no real uh, policing of things within that. All it's going to do is breed more and more corruption. The panels that are formed by the F- Now, uh, when you watch this documentary, they're interviewing different doctors. Different. This guy's an attorney, Jonathan Emward. And um, a lot of different attorneys they're interviewing as well. FDA to evaluate these drugs, the psychiatrists who are on those panels, almost all of them have conflicts of interest where they have directly or indirectly received funding from the very industry and the very parties within the industry whose drugs they are evaluating. So there's this, this tight little relationship between psychiatry, pharmaceutical industry, and FDA where they each mutually support each other, and yet the mental health of the population does not improve. Take, for example, the FDA drug evaluation panel that approved the antidepressant Paxil. Every psychiatrist on that panel has financial ties to the pharmaceutical industry. And There's no conflict of interest there. They're all psychiatrists tied to the drug companies. I mean, you know, it, it's just so evil and so satanic. Oh, uh, that, you know, but I love this documentary because it's actually giving you names and laying this whole thing out in, 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 a, in a very, um, in a very good way. 
these conflicts of interest have been rampant enough to prompt congressional investigation. When I check these advisory committees who make recommendations... Yeah, but what comes of these congressional investigations? I mean, typically very little, because they're all in in league with it as well. They're all in the same slimy, in, in, uh, maggot-infested bed together. ...nations to the FDA, and they're always approved, always approved after the advisory committee. I found that there were conflicts of interest. I found that many of the people on the advisory committees had never filed a proper report on stocks and bonds that they owned that, that might uh, be viewed as a conflict of interest, and they're by law supposed to do that. And this network of financial conflict of interest between psychiatry, the drug industry, and the FDA became even more entrenched in 1992 after passage of the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, also known as PDUFA. Through this bill, the FDA would be paid... Isn't that a city in Kentucky? Oh, no, that's Paducah. I'm sorry. I, I lost control there. A fee of $100,000 per drug to ensure that psychotropic medications would be rushed through the approval process and into the hands of prescribers faster than ever. Congress told the FDA, your job is no longer to make sure drugs are squeaky clean safe before they get out on the market. Your job now is to hurry up and get new drugs on the market faster. Yep. Acted to so Congress is telling them you need to get these drugs out faster. Don't worry if they're not safe or whatever. We have to get humanity killed, dead, gone, defiled, and demon possessed as quickly as possible. That's I'm trying to give you the like what Satan's agenda is. I'm I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, and that's why they're they're doing this. Set the priorities of the FDA. So that if there was a fee paid for a particular drug approval, it could be put on the fast track and rushed to market with less than the usual scrutiny that the FDA would give it. And this fast track has traded safety for sales. Since the passage of PDUFA, time spent on drug evaluation plunged from almost two years in 1992 to only six months four years later. Meanwhile, the number of new drugs released to the public doubled. Though fast-tracking is disastrous for public safety, it reaps huge profits for psychiatry and the drug industry. Because the sooner a drug is approved, the sooner it makes money. And the money is big. Every day, the average psychotropic drug grosses over $7.7 million dollars. One drug, Zyprexa, rakes in almost $12 million daily. And even though FDA now charges over $1 million per new drug application, the pharmaceutical fast track shows no signs of slowing. If you look at the relationship between the FDA, the pharmaceutical industry, and the psychiatrist, there's some kind of game that they're playing there. And what is the game? Well, you could say it's money. Definitely money. And when you follow the money you realize that there is no money in health. There's big money in disease. That's why all you hear about is managing disease or treating disease. You hear what he said? There's no money in health. There's big money in disease. That's how this whole satanic world exists on every plane. If you really look at that. See, it's not about health care. The whole insurance industry is not based on health care. It's based on disease control and propagation. All they're trying to do is control your symptoms. 
And then they do that through pharmaceuticals, typically, until you get to the point where you become a surgical candidate, and then you have to get surgery, and then they really rake in the big money. It's all by design. It's disease care. True health care, eliminating something, curing something, there's no money in that. Well, we cured it. Well, then there goes our reoccurring revenue. There goes our our hold over that person for the rest of their life. There goes over there goes their whole life of having to take medications and then taking more medications to counteract the side effects. And then you wind up in a hospital and you give what little money you have left to us at the end of your life. Because we want to clean you out dry, which is what typically happens to a ton of people by the end of their life. They give it all back to the medical profession. It's a proven statistical fact. But see, if you cure something naturally, there's no money in that. We, we can't have that. Isn't that the same concept of, let's say, they've got um, all type of, of ways to generate power. Where, whether it's cars that run off water, whether it's uh, Tesla technologies, free energy, whatever. Uh, there's been so many inventors that have invented ways to to power things and, 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 uh, and to create um, energy over called overunity, where it's actually putting out, like, way, way more electricity than you're actually putting in. Okay, that's all been done. Well, what happens to those people? They either get bought off or they get killed. Okay, why? Because they want to create a total dependency for us on oil or on gas or whatever um, source, and we have to continually pay more and more and more out the nose to buy that. And it's all about control. Control of the food supply. Control of the energy. Control of us through our health, through the farm. It's, that's what this whole satanic system that we live in is based off of. So it's not just for the, the medical profession. It, it, this touches every aspect of our lives. No, really talk about curing disease. And so psychiatrists have become mainstream doctors in America. And that is because of the pharmaceutical industry. They can thank the pharmaceutical industry because they become mainstream and because they have a lot more money than they used to. And the drug industry can thank them because now they have thousands of soldiers in their army distributing these drugs to everybody. From the smallest infant to the oldest senior citizen, no one is immune from any of the hundreds of fictitious disorders invented by psychiatrists that fuel a multi-billion dollar psychotropic drug industry. And every day, psychiatrists are casting their nets ever wider. And all it takes, another psychiatric label. I'm going to let this play a little bit further um, than I was going to normally let it play, because it gets into some more important stuff here in the next section. Label. people do you know who have been diagnosed with a mental disorder? One. With a mental disorder? Um, two. I'm sure a couple. I know a few. Yeah, three, four, personally. Probably four. Half a dozen? I'll say about nine. At least a dozen. I'll bet I could count 15. 20. Now, you, you go back 30 years ago even, or 20. I mean, there's going to be a ton of people saying, well, nobody. I mean, I knew this guy in sixth grade. You know what I mean? Something like that. Now, it's just so part of our society. This is such a normality that people are just, you know, kind of off the cuff. Yeah, you know, I know. You know, nine, a dozen. What about a baker's dozen? 
which is actually 13. Um, you know, maybe a gross, which is 144. I, I don't know. I mean, there's different kinds of ways you, you can express numbers. I personally know. My uh, oldest son is diagnosed. And my mother was diagnosed. Kid from uh, my childhood. A friend of Mexico. Just my grandfather with cousins. A friend of my friends. I sit there. My neighbors. Two friends. A girlfriend. At least one friend. My mother. All my friends, everybody I know. That's good. All my friends, everybody I know. That's good. Uh, Satan's done his job well, evidently. An apparent flood of mental illness is all around us. Where is this coming from? Psychiatrists whose diagnostic and statistical manual can label anyone walking the earth today as mentally ill. Psychiatrists, I believe, they look at every human being and they divide humans into two classes. Clients and potential clients. We see, see, this is why you don't want to get into this system. Because it doesn't matter if you're perfectly sane and normal and whatever. They'll, you're a potential client. Period. It's about money. You know? So you, you, even, you even put your your little toe into this system and they're going to try to gnaw off that little toe and suck you in you know like an f5 tornado sucking you up into the vortex or whatever they are i mean you give the devil an inch he's going to take a mile and i'm telling you it's about that bad in the medical system today this no more uh, prevalent in any field than in the field of the mental disorders where one disease after another is invented and then popularized and the public is made to worry about it. It's a disease mongering. It's the selling of sickness. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a drug in search of a market. And it's Absolutely. And this is when you see all these new drugs that are unveiled and all the, you know, with all the plethora of side effects. And it's some new thing that didn't even exist, you know, five, ten years ago. Given public awareness to minor conditions with the ultimate goal is to sell more medications. It's not caring for people. When you run out of symptoms, you don't have any more <clears throat> clientele to market to. So you have to invent disease. And with psychiatric medications, you can invent diseases all... Now, this is a former drug research chemist at Eli Lilly. So this is a guy that was developing the drugs... He was a chemist because you have to be a chemist in order to deal with chemicals, which is what pharmaceuticals are, you know. It's not like you're dealing with, you know, whole food supplements or herbs. You're dealing with chemicals, you know, that are all controlled poisons. And like I said, you know, take the whole bottle to find that out. I'm not telling you to do that, obviously, but I mean, I'm just saying that you OD, you can just about OD on any drug because they are chemicals. And this is what he's saying. Day long. Look at human variation. Everyday things like shyness, um, sadness, or even situational depressions um, like grieving, postpartum depression, they all become studied and prescriptions start to get written for these drugs. Before these drugs were introduced in the market, people who had these conditions would not have been given any drug at all. And so it is the branding of a disease and it is the branding of a drug for the treatment of a disease that did not exist before the industry made the disease. Case in point, shyness. 
a common life situation. Voted by psychiatrists into their Diagnostic and Statistical Manual under the name Social Anxiety Disorder. You know, people are nervous. Well, they... What about fear of elastic? You know, I think they need a drug for that one. You know? I mean, why not? Why, I mean, come on. What about fear of butter knives? You know, I don't know. We could come up with some really off-the-wall, zany, wacky types of diagnosis. What about fear of Puxatani Phil, the groundhog? That could be a drug we could we could prescribe. We could put slap a mental disorder on it, get an ICD code, get the old bill into the insurance company, greased up, and you know make a million off that. Because a lot of people are afraid of Puxatani Phil. He's foreboding. He's 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 ominous. He's he's got a very 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 dark demeanor. Yes, he is cute. He is furry. He is buck tooth. That's all true. But there is a dark side there, and I do think that a drug needs to be developed for that exact malady. And that's exactly... It's a disease. It's Puxatani Phil fear disease. I've just labeled it. And I think I'm going to go to Eli Lilly tomorrow and pitch them on this. And I'll brew up something for them, and they can slap a label on it and then diagnose everybody with it. And we'll make a killing. You know? What do you think? Come up with, say... Um, social anxiety disorder. SAD, they'll call it SAD. And the connotation is that everybody ought to be happy and that here's a drug that can make you happy. Uh, so that a common occurrence, which is every now and again everybody's sad, we ought to be treating with a drug. Well, then they'll get this PR firm to um, drum up uh, business for this. They'll put out all these studies that find, you know, there's so many people afflicted with this SAD you know, and they'll start putting it in magazines, they'll start putting it on TV, they'll start a patient advocacy group that say, you know, that we're all affected by this. And See, they're all in lead together. The, the, the corporate horror lamestream media, which puts this out under the guise of being credible, and, oh, it's doctor researched and backed and all of this garbage, and then people start reading an article and they're saying, yeah, I got that, I must need that. And it creates this mass exodus because they've been brainwashed toward the very thing that's probably going to, to a large extent, ruin their life. Particularly if it's a mind-altering pharmacia. And then they'll come out with Paxil works for this. So they go to the FDA and they said, well, we ran this study and this works for this new invented disorder. And that is sad, social anxiety disorder. <laughs> and millions of people suffer from it. And it's purely fictional. It's, it's a normal human emotion that everybody experiences at certain times or another, but they make it into a disease. Paxil, once it got approved by the FDA as the first antidepressant to be used for social anxiety, it took off huge. And um, it just moved from number three in the market amongst its peer drugs to number one in the market. Social anxiety disorder is just one of many made-up psychiatric disorders fueling the boom in psychotropic drug prescription. Psychiatrists work to promote what the latest disease is going to be. These days, bipolar is getting that same type of promotion. Everybody's being educated about their bipolar illness, when in fact, we know having emotional ups and downs is distinctly human. Now bipolar is thrown around like water. You've got bipolar. I have bipolar. If I'm up today, I'm, I'm manic. If I go home tonight and I'm depressed because I'm tired, that shows I have bipolar disease. It's a lot of hokum. 
Have you ever worried? Yeah, that's a psychiatrist saying that. <laughs> that's a guy that's paid to prescribe drugs for bipolar saying that about bipolar. Um, with seeing all the increased media on it, that you might have a mental disorder. Yes. And which one is that? Um, I would say bipolar. You know, they talk about bipolar a lot. Bipolar. I've known a lot of bipolar. Two friends. From, uh, both of them were like diagnosed with bipolar. Um, my neighbor, she was bipolar. I was diagnosed with bipolar. My mother had bipolar. He was actually bipolar. Schizophrenic bipolar, <laughs> bipolar, and obsessive compulsive. Bipolar and ADHD. Bipolar disorder. Bipolar. Yeah. Bipolar situation. Bipolar. 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 There are three personality disorders, and then the most recent is bipolar, and that's just been in the past year. Spearheading the popularizing of bipolar disorder, especially in children, is psychiatrist Dr. Joseph Biederman, a paid speaker, advisor, and researcher for 25 different drug companies. In 1996, the drug companies funneled all this money to this Dr. Biederman, he's well known. He's the one who came up and said that there's bipolar disorder in little kids. This was unheard of. There was no bipolar disorder in any kids. He came up with the study and published the articles out all over the world and other doctors followed his lead that bipolarism in little kids. So because one devil did this, it gave the, the pharmaceutical industry and the drug companies an excuse to come out and recommend these drugs for this literal, natural human attribute. You know, none of us are all even-keeled and, and walking around in, in a, a constant state of even-keeled euphoria 24-7. I mean, yes, I do, but then again, no, just kidding, just teasing, teasing. But anyway, yeah, I mean, bipolar, shouldn't that be like a fear of, of the South and North Pole? I mean, bi meaning two, you fear both poles. So in other words, these are types of people that would never make an expedition to the North or the South Pole because they're afraid of them. Isn't that a more accurate way to say somebody's bipolar? I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there for uh, public consumption. Due to the constant promotion by Dr. Biederman and his colleagues, there has been a 4,000% increase of the diagnosis of bipolar in children since 1994. While the number of antipsychotics... Only 4,000%? Why not five? Why not a million percent? Come on. Let's really get the numbers up there. ...prescribed to them has leaped fivefold to an estimated 2.5 million prescriptions. In 2008... Dr. Biederman was exposed by a Senate investigation for failing to report $1.6 million in personal income from pharmaceutical companies. So in other words, he wasn't making enough illicit, ill-gotten, evil, um, blood money income. He, he had to, you know, <laughs> it wasn't enough. I mean, uh, the, the greed factor about all of this is just off the scale. But the damage had been done. Because of the bipolar fad created by Dr. Biederman, antipsychotics, some of the most powerful psychotropic drugs being prescribed, are psychiatry's drug of choice. The top three best-selling antipsychotics together grows $25,000 every minute. And no matter how big the psychotropic drug industry gets, psychiatrists are hard at work providing the diagnoses to make it even bigger. 
let's say this is the pie right here of the um, of a certain class of medications. Okay, on the pie, you're looking at Paxil, Effexor, Lexapro, Zoloft, Wellbutrin, and Cymbalta. And this is a pretty profitable pie, and everybody wants a piece of that pie. Um, but what would happen if we made that pie even bigger? And how you make the pie even bigger is by expanding the uses for those drugs. They've already got a drug that's approved on the shelf. They can just pull it off the shelf, rename it, repackage it, and say, look, we've got a new drug for a new illness. When Prozac's patent ran out, that Eli Lilly had to look for a new source of profits. So all they did was change the name of the drug from Prozac to Seraphim changed the color of the pill from green to pink and marketed it for PMDD, which is newly introduced into this book. What it tells us... Premenstrual... Hold on, what's the PDDD? Hold on, I, gotta, I gotta read this to you. Rename it, repack... So they changed the name of Prozac to Seraphim, changed the color of the pill, okay, when Prozac's whatever ran out, and they marketed this new seraphim, which was just Prozac in a different color pill, for the premenstrual dys- dysphoric disorder. Oh, really? Oh, what what could that be? I mean, it's it's depressed mood and these types of things. Take Chase Tree, the one I, I use, Chase Tree by Mediherb. I think that's the best Chase Tree on the planet. Okay, for any type of premenstrual or menstrual conditions. Um, There's other things you can do depending on what's going on with that whole area. But Chase Street by Mediherb, you take two in the morning, a woman that takes two in the morning on that stuff, I mean, I've seen, like, miracles with that particular product. Um, But no, no, they're deficient in a drug. They're getting all of these mood swings and depression, which is literally normal, when you're going through this massive hormonal shift of the monthly cycles in a woman, and particularly women's endocrine systems are so messed up now from all of the things they're doing to kill both female and men, and the livers are all gummed up, which is where hormones are processed and broken down and and things of this nature, and the essential fatty acids aren't being processed correctly. And there's all these reasons for this. So they're going to have a lot worse PMS symptoms. So now they invent a drug which is nothing more than Prozac for a premenstrual um, depression uh, d- disorder. I'm, 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 I'm actually able to uh, decrease interest in activities. Oh, now you have a disease because premenstrually you're getting these, you're getting decreased interest in activities. So now you need this drug. What a total stinking satanic scam from the pit of hell. Depressed mood. Um, marked effective ability. I'm trying to read this. I can kind of barely read it. But, I mean, what a scam this is. What it tells us is that if you can come up with a label, a diagnostic label for a drug, then you can sell it like hotcakes. It's a business model. Because people are so symptom-motivated. They equate symptoms, okay, with, it's like Burger King. I want it my way, and I want it now. I have a symptom, I want it to go away my way, and I want it to go away now. Okay? Same thing with a headache. Okay, you get a headache. Now, let's say you're getting, headache occasionally is one thing, but let's say you're getting 
chronic headaches, okay? Maybe it's because you have a toxic liver. Maybe it's because you have a, what they call adrenal tension headaches because your adrenals are fried. Maybe it's because your neck is out of alignment, which is a chiropractic issue. There's a lot of different reasons you can get headaches, okay? Um, but none of them, I can guarantee you this, none of them are because you have a lack of Advil or aspirin in your bloodstream. None of them are a result of a of an Advil deficiency in the body because there is no there is no Advil um, uh, I shouldn't say receptor because there are receptors to drugs in the body that that um, uh, doesn't mean that you need that like a like a vitamin or a mineral or some type of phytonutrient but the drugs do bind to different receptors in the body and the body will build up dependencies on them as a result of that. Okay, but you do not have a deficiency of, you don't get headaches because you have a deficiency of Advil in the bloodstream, ever. Okay, it doesn't happen. And that's how you need to start looking at drugs. They're, they should be like last resort um, regarding this type of stuff. Oh, and it's a billion dollar business model, and it works, and it's going to keep continuing. Today, anyone may unknowingly be taking a psychiatric drug. Renamed, repackaged, and prescribed for non-psychiatric purposes. Zyban, prescribed as a cure for smoking, is actually the antidepressant Wellbutrin. Cymbalta, a psych... A cure for smoking? It's well known they put tons of different chemicals in the cigarettes now. And when you light the cigarette, those chemicals start cross-combining, which creates more highly addictive compounds than even the nicotine itself. It's, it's, it's said that getting off cigarettes nowadays is the, the equivalent to coming off heroin. It's about that hard. It's not because you have a, a deficiency of Wellbutrin in the body that you can't kick the habit. You know? Psychiatric drug for depression and anxiety is now being marketed as Yendrive for urinary incontinence. Psychiatric researchers are testing psychotropic drugs on such wildly varying conditions as obesity, alcoholism, gambling, hot flashes, herpes, nausea, itching, shivering, and excessive hair pulling. It is a pill... And I must confess, I take that one for excessive hair pulling. I... I yeah, I, it's... It's not pretty, and I don't like to admit it, but it's true. It's true. I have a real problem in that area, and uh, I just kind of want to confess it, get it off my chest now, so that's kind of out in the open, you know, get that get that off my chest. Anyway, let's keep going. For every ill, and practically no one is being told how dangerous psychiatric drugs are. As a chemist, I'm making these drugs. They're proving deadly in our labs. And they're proving deadly in other labs. So he's proving them deadly in his own chemistry labs. Okay. They're probably, they're, and, and, and typically they're experimented on by these little poor helpless animals. Okay. You have no idea what they do to these animals in these, in these clinics and stuff. You know, they kill them by the what, and it's like a slow death torture with this stuff. And, you know, it's really horrific. And that's how they know Typically, from the beginning, they're dead. I mean, all chemical compounds given in enough dosage are deadly. And they're all deadly if taken over time. They're going to, bare minimum, take years off your life. Because they are controlled poisons. Dangerous, ineffective, causing the exact same thing they're supposed to treat. How are they selling them? For anyone who's given a label of a psychotic illness, drugs seem to be 
the automatic choice of treatments as night follows day. That's all psychiatry does. It's dominated by psychopharmacologists who do nothing but manage symptoms by dispensing pills. That's it. And they don't work. But the fact that they don't work works to the advantage of the drunk companies and the psychiatrists, which means that you're not cured, which means that you're a patient for life, you're a customer, you're a client for life. And the worse your health gets, the more drugs you need. It's, it's a great deal for them. This is exactly what I just stated previously. It's all about reoccurring revenue. It's all about control. It's all about from birth, you know, from cradle to grave, controlling you. And this is why they're trying, you know, why when you're born, let's let's jab them with all the vaccines. Let's get them the Hep B vaccine because you know a lot of babies are are really um, participating in unprotected um, sex and in IV. Um, um, you know, exchanging needles with heroin addicts, other babies that are heroin addicts, they always exchange needles, you know, and they, and they don't clean them because they're babies, you know, so their, so their sanitary habits aren't that great. And, you know, it makes sense to, to, um, you know, vaccinate a baby with Hep B vaccine, sexually transmitted disease or IV drug use primarily. I mean, it makes perfect sense to do that and to get them, you know, vaccinated. Um, at the, the earliest possible age, which also causes all these horrific side effects and autoimmune diseases and cancers and, and things of this nature, and which sets you up to have one of these psychiatric diagnoses. And it also sets you up to have massive health problems at the earliest possible ages, particularly as they increase the vaccine schedule and give you more of these things. All of this stuff is being done to kill and annihilate you. And that so hopefully from a satanic standpoint, you will never be in any kind of even state of mind to even care about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and the Savior. Because think about it. If you're walking around in that kind of zombified state, which is becoming more and more commonplace, what are the, what are the real chances of you really getting saved? I'm not saying that there's... There's no pit, you know, too low that God can't pull you out. I, I get that. I understand that. I believe that. But, you know, from a statistical standpoint, when you're doing this to millions and millions of people, you're going to have less and less and less people getting saved, which is really a big part of the satanic agenda. And the ones that are saved, that are on these particular pharmaceuticals and things like this, how effective are they going to be for the Lord? And what kind of witness are they sending to the unsaved? That's a whole other aspect that we could actually get into. We should all be up in arms about the way we're being treated by psychiatry today. This is a very dangerous industry that has gone so far overboard in inventing fictitious diseases and drugging our children and our population that I consider it to be engaged in crimes against humanity. With over... $80 billion a year in psychiatric drug money at stake. It is impossible to escape the saturation of psychiatric disease mongering in today's society. But behind the marketing lurks a secret psychiatry's customers would be shocked to learn. How are these drugs tested? And are they safe? No one knows precisely uh, how the psychiatric medications uh, act. We don't know if I give you a medication, if it is going to work or not. So these are psychiatrists from all over the world they're interviewing saying this about the very drugs they prescribe. Talk about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. You know what I mean? I mean, they're admitting to this openly, flippantly, out in the open, and yet they still do it. I mean, whoa. 
Uh, have you been turned over to a reprobate mind? Has your conscience been seared with a hot iron? Because you surely are exemplifying that behavior, Mr. Psychiatrist. It's not a great deal of scientific support for using them. I myself, I try to pick a drug whose side effects might be useful. You have to choose what is the best option. Side effects may be useful? <laughs> That's a good one. What? Which one is it? Is it cancer, liver failure, or death? Well, those could be useful in the right... I guess if you work at Auschwitz, you know, or one of the, you know, depopulation centers, yeah, I, I, I guess I can see your point there, Doc. We don't have the sure methods. There are no rules. Everything is... It's an art, really. Often it's trial an and error. Art. It's uh, kind of a trial and error. It's uh, trial and error. Some degree of trial and error, I guess. A blind man's bluff or something like that. You never know if it's the right drug. It's a much more complex uh, subject. This should really breed confidence in any psychiatric patient that's watching this to see the the level of, of professionalism and um, research that the psychiatrists are using to prescribing these drugs. I mean, it's, it's truly mind-blowing. There's always going to be huge surprises, and that, that's what makes it so difficult. The best psychiatrists in the world will mess up all the time. Like, the best psychiatrist in the world, what would that be? It's, it's kind of like saying, well, he's the best serial killer in the world, and he has that distinction. I mean, how, how do you quantify that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and stop here. We've already we've already went way more into it than I wanted to. Um, but the next part, they, this goes on for another hour, over an hour. And you can watch the rest of it um, this week. I'm going to end the this part two teaching, and then we're going to pick this up the week after that. And that way I can provide um, teachings, hopefully, mostly every week, instead of just putting up some monster teaching and then waiting three weeks. I've had a lot of requests to try to post them once a week, and, and in this manner I can kind of manage that if it's like a two-part teaching. But when we get into the three and the four-parters, to do that every week with the amount of breaking current events, with the amount of email inquiries that I'm getting, with with the work it takes to, you know, do all the conversions and then make the PDF and then do all the uploads and to to send out the emails and everything else and to do my health and my current event newsletters, it's just one person. It's just, uh, um, it's just kind of got untenable. So I'm going to try to go over to this new format and hopefully be able to get something up every week, but um, there might be some gaps in there, but I, that's what I'm kind of shooting for. So pray pray for me that I'd hopefully be able to do that. So I'll go ahead and uh, we'll pick this up next week, and Lord willing, and um, I'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord. I do pray you bless my listeners. I pray you bless the people that are hearing this, Lord. I pray to God you give us eyes to see ears to hear, and hearts to receive the truth, Lord. And and I just view this as a such a tremendous satanic trap, Lord, that so many people are actually caught in. And this is just one aspect of the medical profession that people are caught in this particular trap. And I just pray to God you free them from this, Lord, and that um, whatever demonic component, whatever satanic component is, is, is holding on to these people that are caught in this system, I pray to God you remove it from them. I pray any curses that they've brought upon themselves by taking these medications be broken off them, and that 
if they're not saved, that you save their souls and, and Lord God, that you would use them mightily for your glory and that you would use them mightily to save many souls. I do pray, God, you forgive us for any and all sins we have committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.